Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we are bringing you another episode of the Almighty Podcast, episode number 90. We're like very close to hitting 100, which is weird. Wow, 90 episodes. That's so cool. We got to come up with something to do for the 100th episode. Maybe take some, or would you be open to like some listener suggestions to what crazy thing we oh, could yeah. do for their 100th episode? Totally, yeah. I mean, if uh, if all the listeners out there have got something they think would be fun for us to do or cover, I'm down for it. I mean, the 100th episode, that's, I, I'd have to sit down. I think we're right at or about to be past three years worth of, of recording and, and releasing episodes. Now, they've not been week to week to week because we've had seasons without or whatever, but we've been uh, we've been releasing some fun stuff for a while now. Since we've started recording and sat down to do it intentionally, then we, really this break that we just came off of a couple of weeks ago was the first time where we said, all right, we're, we're going to hit pause for a minute. Um, we did stop going weekly because we had caught up to the content itself um, and shifted our format. But since then, every single week without fail, except for uh, middle of last month, where our lives got a little busy, which I feel like that's a pretty good streak for a casual pod like ours. I think so. Yeah. And I mean... Hey, sometimes things are going to happen and we may have to be down for two or three weeks. Luckily, it's only happened to us once. I mean, that's pretty fortunate. Yeah, but we I think we could be flexible with what we do for the 100th episode and maybe take some so. suggestions uh, into consideration. So and, and I'm totally springing this on Adam. We did not talk about this before we started recording. It was no. just this idea that struck me as as we began. So if you've got any fun ideas for something that you would like us to do. I know that in the Discord in the past, there have been some requests for us to do some like maybe deep dive uh, evaluations of characters or, uh, you know, rating arcs. But I think we didn't we do that recently. We rated like arcs. We yeah, that. we rated arcs. OK, so we've done you know, that. I one. really I really want some trivia. Like I want to have a trivia night. Either that, or we could make like a My Hero drinking game, and we could live stream us watching My Hero take a shot every time Midoriya cries. Oh boy! It feels like it would. We would get pretty wasted. <laughs> <laughs> and the trivia option, I keep telling Adam this. I'm like, we're gonna get exposed as frauds if we play trivia. Like at how much we don't know. <laughs> so I'm worried about like... them being like, we've been listening to them for 90 episodes, talk about this stuff, and they still don't know this obvious fact, and we'll fail at it easy. It would have to be trivia up to what we've read, obviously, but I really sure. think we would, it would end up leading into some really fun conversations, I bet, about what we know and like what I think versus what you think or something. It would be cool. I mean, I'm, I'm open to it. So if you're, if you're listening, hit us up on Twitter, drop into the Discord. There's always conversations happening in there. Um, and maybe we'll kick some of these around. Maybe it's a podcast where uh, inside of an episode, we tackle two or three of these different ideas that may um, come into uh, come into reality or, or be wished upon us over the next uh, few weeks. I mean, what, 20, let's see, 18, or excuse, man, numbers, hard, late night. Um, <laughs> 10 more episodes for us would be t double that many weeks. So it's not like it's happening real soon. Anytime soon, yeah. But if we have the ideas in hand early, then we can develop them uh, intentionally and meaningfully uh, instead of just winging it the week up. All right, that sounds like a great idea. Let us know what you think. Episode 100, it is coming on its way. It's coming on its way. Whatever, I said it. You guys will deal with it. It let's will happen get into, in the next year. Yeah, <laughs> let's get into this episode, man. We're going to start off with chapter 88 of My Hero Academia Vigilantes. And this one is so lovingly named. Intruder. I don't know. I don't have it on my screen. It's called Intruder intruder and uh, it picks up right where we left off like literally right where we left off with this doctor holding a syringe talking about the combination of drugs that he's willing to give o'clock 
who is passed out on the floor, or not really passed out. I mean, he's awake, but he was quote unquote knocked out by Rappa the last episode. Yeah, it's kind of strange, too, the way that he talks about this, because he says we on the medical team decide when to administer it. And then he says, but if a fighter is still conscious, we do not make or we do make a point of asking for consent. So he sounds like it's like, well, if you're knocked out, we'll just give it to you. But if you're awake, we'll give you the choice, uh, which yeah. that, that feels like you you can't do both of those things, bud. Like you can, there's either consent or there isn't consent, but he's acting well, like, oh, we, there's always consent. I kind of read it as like, we decide when to administer it as far as whether we do it right after the fight or maybe later, like we're going to offer it to you later or to who, like we don't give it to everyone, but we're going to give it to you because you put up a really good fight. I mean, that makes some sense of what he says next, where he says, after all, this entire operation is based around free and willing participants. But at the same time, what what point is there in giving this to uh, Ripper right now? Like, is he just going to go hop right back into the ring with uh, with Rapper? Is that the plan? I'm not sure. That's a good point. I also wonder if maybe there needs to be like a slash S somewhere in that text. Like he's just being sarcastic and we're not picking up on it. Yeah, that could be. Instead of the musical note, we get a slash S on it. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, because we know, especially the evolution of these drugs, consent is not factored in at all. (laughs) Oh, no, that was definitely not something that was on the, like, you know, list of things that was a requirement for this drug. That was the opposite of. Uh, But Ripper is able to, I say Ripper, O'Clock, Knuckle Duster, we all know who this guy is. He uh, he stands up immediately and is like, oh, well, if your MO is pushing drugs under the veil of personal responsibility, you know, and he's he stands up, t- rushes off using his quirk and grabs it. He says, I'll take it as evidence, that is, as he is pulling it away. And it's pretty awesome. The doctor's like calling for the guards, but he's able to just take them all out. Um, I wondered if he did his like seven o'clock punch or whatever it was called. It doesn't look like it. It looked like he just moved really quickly and that maybe none of these guards in an underground cage fighting space where like a bunch of people have quirks. I don't think that these guards had any or at least they, uh, maybe O'Clock moved so fast that uh, they, they weren't able to deploy them. They look like yeah. weak guards. Like, And to be fair, they also don't look like guards I would expect because they're in a uniform like an actual guard uniform. But this is an undercover like fighting ring. I want them to look like undercover fighting ring guards you know what i mean like like those guys that came out at knuckle duster when he was in uh where did he go to investigate the drugs where he he left japan was it china where did he go i think it was china yeah i want to say it was remember when those guys came out of the apothecary Mm -hmm. and threatened him and they just looked like the hired thugs like that's maybe what the aesthetic should have been here like they need to have like mohawks and like ripped jean jackets you know and a couple of chains but these legitimately look like five o'clock guards five o'clock guards i don't know what that means but like guards you would hire to stay at your business overnight or something yeah well this is all going according to knuckle duster slash o'clock slash rippers plans um because again he entered this entire scene in order to get to the bottom of the drug busting he even had that discussion with detective tanama before where he's not after busting the people who are organizing this he just wants the drugs that's his thing right and so he's considering it uh, a mission accomplished that he can get in he has the drug sample. He's taking some pictures with a comically small camera, like a spy, like a spy <laughs> man. Um, and he goes to leave, but he bumps into Rappa or Rapper. What's really cute about that little camera is he's wearing a vest where he was holding his knife, and it looks like there's a little pouch for it, like right on the front. Yeah, it's almost like a GoPro. Yeah, yeah, I just, that was cracking me up. 
Uh, but you're right. He opens the door. He o- walks right into Rappa, who is looming. They even wrote loom on the page. That's uh, true. So I he's, missed that. He's standing over him, and he's just like, uh, hey, I should have known you were okay. That last hit, it didn't feel quite right. And he's like, I know that you kind of threw the fight, so here's some money, or half of the money and a little bit of a bonus. Uh, he says, you know, you started out tough, but I don't know. You just kind of went out from there, and I was looking for a real fight, something I could really sink my teeth into. Like, I just, I love the way this guy talks about fighting you can tell it's his whole philosophy you know yeah it's the only thing that he's really cares about or is passionate about and so he's like let's do this again but this time until somebody's dead <laughs> right <laughs> which is you know that's a that's a deal pretty much anybody's going to take up of course forward slash s uh and then we have uh o'clock's reaction to this is he's just like listen you're off the hook this time so he's he's countering rappa's uh bravado with bravado of his own where he's like nah it's okay like i know that you think that you would kill me but literally it would be the opposite outcome i, I like that he's totally flexing on rapid rapper is not i don't think he picks up on that part or at least he doesn't respond to intimidation the way that most people would he just c- continues to kind of try to provoke this fight into happening he's like don't be a party pooper you know i know that you enjoyed it let's just do this and he, he refuses to take no as an answer <laughs> yeah but you know, O'Clock or Knuckle Duster says, I'm not really into this kind of fighting. Like, I just like those one hit sneaky punches. What I was doing with you was all for show. I, I needed to get in here, which I'm surprised he goes into as much depth as he does. But he pretty much tells Rappa his plan. Like, I needed to show off a few moves, get beat, get down here, take pictures of what I'm looking for and get out. Uh, but Rappa's like, nah, man, you you love this stuff. Like, I can tell you love this stuff. And, and life's no fun without having a little bit of stupid in it. You know, you're, you're going to have an empty life. You're just going to go out making nothing but smart moves. That's no way to live. And it's funny because Knuckle Duster just says like, hey, you talk a lot. You sure talk a whole lot. And he says, yeah, when I got something to say, sure. A man's fist needs words from the soul. That's my philosophy. Yeah, see, I like that O'Clock explains this to Rappa. I think that there's a certain level of respect maybe in there, but also he's just like, what? what is it going to cost me to just tell him what I'm actually here doing? This man's not going to stop me. That's not what he's interested in. He's not protecting the stuff that I'm busting. Totally. He's just here as, you know, uh, as a cage fighter. And so he, there's there's nothing risked there. Um, and I think that there's a little bit of respect exchanged by him just being honest um, when he's trying to be clandestine. Um, and he even goes so far towards the end of all this to just be like, listen, idiots like you aren't all bad, um, but I'm not going to face you again. And Rappa continues to not let no uh, be the the end all be all to this discussion. So he's like, listen, stupid, smart reasoning. That's one thing, but it's the soul that decides love and hate. And I can tell that you love this stuff. You love the fight and the punching, the beating. You just need to admit that self. Um, and so he's just like, so we can have that death match where you'll die. He's just insistent, um, which is great. He's just a dog with a bone, man. And uh, then these alarms start going off uh, or they no, not alarms. They start hearing a, a large commotion. The alarms have yet to come. Yeah, it turns out that uh, what they are hearing is our old friend Miriko, who we've seen in previous chapters. She was like out walking with her friends, and they actually meet up with Fat Gum, and she sniffs a fight or hears a fight, is attracted to it, is upset that they're having fights without her, which seems weird. We don't know really why she's so drawn to the fights. I think you even made the mention that maybe she's kind of like Toga, like just has this 
need to Blood go lust. towards this. Yeah. And uh, so we get this awesome few panels here where she's like jumping through the crowd to get into the ring. And I didn't catch it the first two times I read it. I didn't catch it until today when I sat down to reread. Her stealing the mask? Yeah, she's stealing the yes, mask. Yes, so good. She like shows up with it in her hands on the next page and she's wearing it. And it's funny because there's a little like side area here that someone is saying like, hey, that's my mask. But we see it in this panel. She actually grabs it off this dude's face. It says uh, nab. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, so she, anyway, she is in this ring and she's standing on top. And the announcers who, of course, reading this, it was present Mike to me. Uh, but he's calling the shots and like, who's this? You know, what is that a school uniform? Who was this surprise schoolgirl intruder? And she decides to call herself Tiger Bunny. And uh, she is here to fight everybody. Yeah, we're going to call her Mirko just because I don't think she gets officially named in this uh, in these chapters as far as we've read but uh, anything besides Tiger Bunny. Um, a couple of or maybe even in the last episode of Vigilantes in 87, as she was fleeing from her classmates, they called her Ruko. Um, and I thought that maybe Ko was a Japanese honorific because her real name is Rumi uh, Usagiyama. And so she doesn't have the Mirko hero, na hero name at this point because she's still just a student, or at least that's my understanding of, of this so far. Is it possible she's uh, already decided on that as a name, though? Like, I it's, mean... it's Yeah, it's possible. I think they, so, because... They chose they their, names. their names in the yeah. first year, didn't they? Yeah. So, I mean, it's possible she's already chosen her name and they're just calling her Ko for short for Muriko, but we don't know yeah, that, that, that for sure yet. We don't know. Well, she's definitely avoiding that moniker here, and we have reason to suspect why um, when we get a little deeper into this particular uh, series of episodes in Vigilantes. But she introduces herself instead as the masked mystery beauty tiger bunny and before we go any further i wanted to hit pause on this as as this lady who has very obtrusive uh, rabbit ears and whose cork is uh, all about the kicking uh i wanted to talk about some pop culture badass rabbits man like rabbits that kick all kinds of ass throughout pop culture Dude. because there's definitely a long list of them i came up with a short list uh to adam just pitching this as a a short little segment to do within this episode uh i think he has double the amount of entries on his <laughs> list than i had with mine <laughs> turns out i know so a lot of rabbit hit characters. on something yeah yeah I was going to say, it's pretty crazy how like prevalent rabbits are in pop culture. They're kind of everywhere. And I never realized it until you made me think about it. Yeah. And we're not talking about like Peter Cottontail, who doesn't really do anything violent. Um, we're talking about rabbits that actually get physical and, and deal some damage. Uh, so we've come up with uh, our own separate lists and we'll, we'll rattle down through these. We're not going to spend 10 minutes on it, but it, is, it was a fun thing that kind of popped into my mind as uh, Mirko becomes more and more involved over the rest of the course of this episode and also the next one that we're going to cover um, tonight or today, whenever you're listening to this. So hit me with a couple from yours since you, since you like doubled down. <laughs> I can. So we're already talking about anime. I want to go ahead and hit the ones that are featured in other animes. And the first one I, I feel like is pretty close are the bunny Digimon. And there are a bunch, but just to name a few, there's Terriermon, Gargomon, and Antillamon, who are probably the most relevant ones, the ones people would probably know. Uh, there's also Fran, who is from Final Fantasy XII. She is a Viera, which is kind of like a race of rabbit people. Uh, you definitely can't leave out Roger Rabbit. I think everyone has seen that movie, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. He's a total badass. I almost put him on my list. It was, it was a tough call, but he didn't make my cut. 
Um, I did add in, if you're talking about keeping with some anime stuff initially, I put down Boss Rabbit, who I think like elsewhere goes by a different name, maybe Monster Carrot or something like this. Um, but a little bit of Kaio Cinema crossover, Boss Rabbit is a character in OG Dragon Ball, um, kind of runs a little small mafia um, and terrorizes a particular city. He turns people into carrots when they touch him uh, or yeah. when he touches them. <laughs> Uh, and then he eats them. But it's really funny because at the end of the conclusion of that particular arc is Goku ends up putting Boss Rabbit and his henchmen on the moon, um, <laughs> which becomes hilarious later on because in the next world, I think it was the next world's martial arts tournament from that point in the series, but maybe not. But in in, in one of the future world martial arts tournaments after that, Roshi blows the moon up, the, the very moon that Boss Rabbit and the henchmen were on. Um, and so in an interview um, with uh, in an interview, Akirayama, uh, Akira Toriyama actually states that Monster Carrot and his henchmen were just drifting through space after Jackie Chun destroyed the moon. That's <laughs> like awesome. canonically. That's what that that's what his fate is. That's really funny. You know, the the moon's been blown up in that universe like at least three times. Oh, several times. Yeah. I mean, or or at least the perception of a moon or something that is the facsimile of a moon. Things that are supposed to be the moon or are the moon get blown up lots in Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, that's for sure. That's very true. If you're interested in more Dragon Ball Z, check out Kyle Cinema. We have a little Dragon Ball Z podcast right now. It's pretty cool. And a little bit of uh, kind of history tie-in to the, this podcast, to the AMP. I also have on my list Bucky O'Hare, um, yeah. which if you're a longtime listener to the AMP, when Midoriya first stepped out in his costume, his, his original costume, the one that his mom made him, I said that he looked like Bucky O'Hare because it was green and looked like it had rabbit ears. Um, Bucky O'Hare was a comic character created by Larry Hama of G.I. Joe fame, went on to have uh, an animated cartoon show, some video games. Um, so he he is also a rabbit what does fight other people in space and stuff. I've also got uh, Judy Hopps from Zoot Zootopia, which is a more recent movie. Uh, if you've ever read, it's not manga or anime, but it is a comic book. It's I Kill Giants. The main character, Barbara Thorson, is always wearing these like bunny ears. So I felt like that was a kind of a close tie in there. Um, and then obviously the Easter Bunny from Rise of the Guardians, who is uh, played by Huge Jacked Man or Hugh Jackman. Uh, that is a seriously cool movie. Like I re For it to be kind of a holiday movie that I, I don't normally do those kind of movies, that one's awesome. Yeah, I've not I've not seen that at all. So when you were like the Easter Bunny, I was like, all right, come on, you're getting you've lost the thread. No, no, <laughs> he's really, really cool in that movie, actually. Like, that's probably my favorite character from that movie. It's it's a fun holiday movie. Does he uh, fight? Yeah, he he's got a boomerang. Hands? Dude, the villain in that movie is named Pitch, like Pitch Black. And he is like this old ancient god. Like all of the mythical creatures are kind of gods in this universe. And so there's like the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny, Santa Claus. It's really cool. I'm telling you, it's not as goofy as I'm making it sound, but he does fight in it, kind of. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, I have on my list, and this is kind of a tie-in to another podcast that I'm tangentially related to um, or, or involved with um, called the Turtle Recall Podcast, which is a rewatch of the original um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated series, because in there, the Ninja Turtles cross paths more than once with a rabbit by the name of Miyamoto Usagi. 
um, which is uh, we would know him as the titular character for the Usagi Ujembo long-running comic by Stan Sakai. Um, he is a very large presence in pop culture, but my exposure to him, to my disgrace, is almost exclusively through Ninja Turtle mediums. Uh, but I'm told that the comic that he stars in is super excellent as well. So at some point, I may have to circle around and read some of that. And speaking of stuff that I'm reading, um, I'm a big fan of the Redwall series of books by Brian Jacquez. Did you oh, ever read too. any of those? Dude, I've read them all probably three or four times. Like some uh, of yeah. the best books. They are so good. And there are some badass hairs in there as well. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Basil Stagg was the only one I could name off the top of my head. But oh, I know that there's, there's a an, bunch. There's another one that I feel like it was in, I think it's the fourth or fifth book that's named like The Long Road or The Long Trail. And I want to say it was a female rabbit named like Hoppy or Hippie, something like that. Well, I do remember that in that series, The Long Patrol is like a battalion of warrior of rabbits yeah. that are like stationed at Salamandastron, I think, under the Badgers. Yeah, the Badgers um, are so cool in that series. That, that whole series is, is a it's joy. Brilliant. I, I wrote um, a post for Nerds on Earth a while ago about how it, it is a series that scratches the itches for both like younger readers and also adult readers. Super good series if you're not familiar with them. Um, and right now I'm actually rereading a book called Watership Down, which is another excellent um, kind of anthropomorphic uh, animal uh, novel that's really, really good. The animated adaptations have not done this book justice yet. I hope eventually they get around to just having a hard rated R Watership Down movie. Yeah. <laughs> I would probably watch the crap out of that <laughs> um, because there are some rabbits. It's all about rabbits, really. There are some other animals sprinkled in, of course, but... Um, Big Wig and Silver and Buckthorn are some of the rabbits that I've met already in my most recent read through. And uh, they kick all kinds of rabbit behind and other animals as well. Speaking of rabbits from movies, I also had uh, Frank from Donnie Darko. If you've ever watched that. <laughs> Once, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that movie quite a bit. And then uh, Bugs and Lola Bunny from Space Jam. They're pretty badass in that movie. If you haven't noticed, all of mine are like kid themed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also the bunny from Alice in Wonderland, though. I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to say a specific one because I don't mean the one from the book or the movie, but he has spawned all of these remakes where, like, they do, like, sci-fi Alice in Wonderland or steampunk Alice in Wonderland, and he's always some kind of, like, a ninja or, like, a mechanical, almost like a Gundam or something, I think, in a Sucker Punch. So I feel like that character alone has just spawned a bunch of really cool bunny-esque characters. Yeah, and uh, I left for the last one on my list maybe one of my favorite uh, fictional rabbits that deal all sorts of damage to other living things. And it's the rabbit of Care Benog from Monty Python quest from the Holy Grail. Oh yeah. The one that, the one that they have to throw the Holy hand grenade at uh, because it was just <laughs> ripping dudes throats out. Um, gosh, I love that scene so much. Monty Python humor is, is definitely up my alley. So that, that rabbit was one of the first ones to populate my list. Man, there's nothing worse than being the person that's never seen a Monty Python movie and being surrounded by people that just want to quote it for the entire weekend at Boy Scout camp and having no idea what they're talking about. I mean, you've seen them now, right? At oh, least, yeah. At least yeah, that yeah. one. I have seen them, but that was what spawned it. Like an entire oh, okay. weekend of Monty Python jokes and like knowing all the jokes before seeing the movies and then finally getting to sit down and watch the movie and, and then being like, oh, okay. Like, I, yeah. I mean, I, I really enjoyed them, but they were so ruined for me. So if you're listening yeah. to this podcast and you know who I am and you were at that weekend, I hate you. Thanks, jerks. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any left on your list? I had one last one, and it is maybe the most famous 
badass bunny of all time because I don't know too many people that have never heard of little bunny Fufu who hopped around and beat the field oh, mice gosh. over the head. All right. All right. I feel like that's a little bit of a stretch, but I like it, so I'm going to allow it. What a <laughs> goofy had, entry. If you'd been kicking people in the head, it would have been more appropriate, but you know. You think Fufu is more popular than Bugs Bunny, who you'd already listed? I mean, I feel like more than likely people have heard the story of Bunny Fufu before Bugs Bunny. Like, I, that's like a really common toddler's, uh, what do you call it? Little, nursery rhyme. Nursery rhyme, which is, it's kind of a dark nursery rhyme if you think about it, but. I don't know. You're probably right, though. Bugs Bunny, worldwide scale, much, much larger. Yeah, I would, I would think so, but I could be wrong. I don't know all that much about Bunny Fufu. The thing to is, be is honest. he's not going around beating people upside the head. Bunny Fufu was. No, Bugs Bunny did much more graphic and violent things than that. <laughs> That's but true. Poor Elmer Fudd and Daffy Duck would, would they would they have uh, charges to bring against that man or that rabbit. There's a really interesting, like, weird thing that has happened where Bugs Bunny has either called people something or said a certain phrase that just gets picked up in the English language. Like, I think he calls Elmer Fudd uh, uh, an old Nimrod, like, referencing someone that is really, really good at archery, but Elmer Fudd can't hit anything. Like, he can't shoot the plain side of a barn. And it's turned into this thing that people call each other, meaning like, oh, you're not doing something right or well, when in fact it originally meant something totally different. So I, I don't know. Bugs oh, Bunny interests me. Like he has affected our culture in ways that we don't even realize. Jeez. Well, I said that we weren't going to talk about the rabbits for 10 minutes, but I think we came really close to it after <laughs> all. <laughs> That's just par for the course for us. We we get off on these weird tangents and just hang out there for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know what's funny is we both come back, like we both come from such diverse backgrounds that we can talk about almost anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, with Dr. Internet and Google, you know, we're, uh, I true. can talk about anything for any length of time with enough heads up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. Let's get back to this. Uh, to this bunny, to Tiger Bunny. Um, she has made her grand entrance, has stolen this dude's mask in a very funny panel, um, and the announcer is still trying to figure out who or what she is. Um, and she, she explains that she's a tiger-ish bunny, which doesn't, you know, uh, doesn't lower the confusion in the room at all. But then there are some people in the crowd that begin to recognize who she is, which shouldn't be too much of a shocker because of the prominent bunny ears and whatnot. But they say, uh, it, it ain't that Usako? Uh, and they say, you mean the chick from Hiroshima? And they're like, yeah, totally that. That's Usako the Fight Crasher. And Usako is not this character's uh, like actual name. So I think that what has gone on, and I think that this bears itself out here um, in the next panel or two, is that she she has basically undertaken a pseudonym and moved schools because she had caused trouble um, at another school. So it says a few years back, some girl went around Hiroshima crashing various fight clubs. The legendary schoolgirl hooligan, Bunny Erdu Sako. And in the end, she vanished after being taken into custody and the name of her school was exposed. Uh, so maybe after being taken into custody, she was basically, they were basically placed her in another school and changed her name. And now she's about to make the same mistakes all over again. Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, we've not been given an explanation of her quirk, but do you think this is just her personality like she just loves to fight or do you think this is more along the lines of what you mentioned like a bloodlust of some kind the reason i say that is because we kind of have furthering evidence here in a few minutes that she is enticing people to fight her uh and, and just to get there i mean she stands up and you know they they mentioned something about like are you sure you want to get in here and fight you may get expelled again and she's like i'm not who you think i you know you think i am and and they're like come on you can't hide the ears how dumb near are you you know and she's like whatever let's fight let's rumble and so she gets in there and there there were already two fighters and they ask like well who is that let's rumble for was it for me or was it for him and they both decide maybe at once and so they start to attack her and 
she takes him out really easily. And I got to say kudos to the artist here because they could have taken this as an opportunity to draw some relatively lewd-ish uh, pictures of a character, and I feel like they normally would, but they chose not to this time. So that's kind of nice of them. Yeah, she's she's got like a pair of shorts on underneath her skirt, so you don't see anything you know, approaching early pop step stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like a pop step on the first volume of the, of the, uh, first, uh, of vigilantes. I was like, man, I, I don't want, like, I, I think my parents were living in my house when I bought that. Um, and I was just like, uh, I need to get this to my room and yeah. make sure that they don't see it. Cause they will ask questions. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but yeah, Mir- uh, Mirko is flexing in the middle of this ring. She says that the rest, you know, these two that were in the ring, they're O code man. Uh, and so she's like, how about everybody in this joint? Which, like, if she's recognized or or the people in the crowd suspect that they recognize her, she's already got this reputation, surely they would know what she's capable of. Like, she's got a history already, but everybody in the crowd is just like, yeah, sure, let's let's jump in and fight this chick who we presumably know can whoop all of our behinds at one point, or all at one time. Yeah. And so they're all jumping in. One of them is even, like, going in maybe for some under some odd motivations because he's like kick me real hard little bunny and he's got like eyes or his uh eyes are shaped like hearts it's it's strange but he also has like a heart-shaped costume in general so maybe it's just part of his motif or something i don't know but it is strange here because it's not just the audience like it's staff members it's the audience it's it's everybody which is kind of leads me to like maybe her challenging people is they can't back down or something maybe that's part of her quirk I, i don't know i've not read it just guessing maybe it isn't i don't know you know that's interesting i hadn't thought about that and i don't know exactly what her quirk is either i would be shocked that that's what it was because that seems really um really close to one of the guys of the mla right um so i would think that her quirk is just she's got rabbit like features ears and like strong kicks but i could be maybe we don't know it it all yet so we could find out I think that these guys are just thirsty for a fight. Maybe. It just seemed weird to me that, like, because even into the next chapter, it, they they emphasize that everyone is trying to fight her. It's not just a few audience members. Uh, but the announcer at the end of this chapter, who kind of looks like the, uh, the boy or the main character from uh, Sailor Moon. I don't know if you remember his name. Is it Darian, I, I think? Not. I think it's uh, Darian. I'm pretty sure. It's been 20 years, but I watched Sailor Moon. Don't hate me. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about how uh, there is like no betting at all. He's like, all right, betting is off. Everyone can play, but it is just for fun. Like, no, literally, we are not taking bets on this fight, this free for all. And we see a couple of cameras that are watching everything and someone behind them saying like, oh, well, he's going to abandon that arena, but maybe not. Why don't we harvest some more of the valuable quirks? And that'll take us right into chapter 89 and named Tiger Bunny. Yeah, I think that the chaos that ensues provides this mysterious figure whom we'll talk about in more detail shortly with the opening that he needs. Like if he were trying to do some of this smoky business when everybody wasn't in just full on rumble, a uh, royal rumble mode, then it would be conspicuous. Um, and so with all this chaos happening around, it creates an opening for these portals to open up uh, under the pretense of stealing quirks, I believe, yeah. which points all of the fingers, right. all of, like li- like literally all of the fingers at <laughs> at two two people in particular. And then we're left at the very end of this chapter with possibly some fingers to point at somebody else that we may already have an experience with, but I'm not entirely sure. Well, we start chapter 89, the very first panel with Mineta's dad right in the middle. 
Oh, <laughs> that took me. Uh, that threw me for a second. Yeah, it, it's kind of like some some <laughs> subdued Manetta like hair. Yeah, okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, it's just kind of a joke. That's that's a joke out there for um, our pal in the Discord. Yeah, for Ness is going to eat yeah. that alive. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, that it picks right back up with the announcer talking about how their underground masquerade is transformed into a no holds barred battle royale, and then he calls it an unorthodox one versus all match in one corner. An indomitable fighter who dared to declare war on the whole venue, the masked mystery beauty Tiger Bunny, and of course the whole audience is like trying to get in to fight her. <laughs> Yeah, we've got several panels of people just pouring over the top of the ring, and they're all using their quirks um, at 100%, basically, as they're coming after her, because she's doing the same, presumably, um, but she is just kicking all of them, like, yes. in all of the places. There's, and, like, uh, six pages, basically. Or not six pages, but at least six, seven panels of her just kicking butt. Yeah, and it's kind of funny, because the the commenters speaking to some of the motivations of some of the folks trying to fight her. We've got hardened stoic powerhouses, sadists looking to inflict pain and spill blood, and even show-offs hoping for a few likes. And in that panel, one of the guys who's getting kicked has got his thumbs up, it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> like he's doing it for the gram or something. He even has a shirt that's just a thumbs up. It, he does. He, I wonder <laughs> if that's his quirk. Maybe that's Maybe his quirk. I don't know. Thumbs up. Um, but yeah, he, he, he mentions too, he says, this bunny-eared high school girl's gorgeous murderous kicks are like tanned lethal weapons. Uh, and she is just wreaking havoc and just wrecking all sorts of face. And uh, Rappa and O'Clock walk in on all this. Yeah, and it's really funny because I, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but in that panel, Rappa is like pushing some weird mouse man bear thing out of the way. And he's got this crazy looking belly button. Like so yeah, much about this Audi. character is so strange. That would be a terrible quirk. It's just like your Audi is ginormous. Audi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But they stumble into this and, and uh, Ripper or uh, O'Clock is saying some sort of party started without us. And they see her just like taking everybody on and absolutely kicking butt. Uh, but, you know, Rappa's not happy with this. He says, no, nah, that's no proper death match. And he says, besides, chicks just don't get my manly ph philosophy. How could they? They're chicks. So he's being a little, you know, uh, chauvinistic. He's got he's stuck in his old ways. And even O'Clock is like, even men would think your manly philosophy is a load of crap here. Well, and Rappa continues to press the point with O'Clock or Knuckle Duster or Ripper. He's trying to get their fight to happen. He's right. not interested in joining this other one. So he continues to not let no be the final word in, in their particular discussion. And then this is where the alarms start going off. Uh, and it looks like some sort of gas is being fed into this arena. Uh, and it's it's identified as gas by Ripper. And he is able to produce some masks, but in the in this short period of time, this this gas starts affecting the quirks of all these people in the arena, and it it looks like it's having a effect similar to trigger, like it's causing For sure. uh, their quirks to go out of control. So maybe I guess the drugs that they were doing um, by vaccination or by injection earlier. They also have an aerosolized version, possibly. Maybe, but it, I don't know. These panels don't make a whole lot of sense here because we do see the announcer put on a mask, but everyone else seems to be immediately affected, except for our, I'm going to say heroes, quote unquote, because Miriko is in the middle of this whole arena. Everyone around her is getting affected, but for some reason she's not. And O'Clock and Rappa are just like right around the corner. I mean, by all means, they're surrounded by this this gas they should be totally geeking out i feel like 
Well, I think that the explanation there is Mirko seems to be up high. Okay. Um, and this gas, when it was coming down through the pipe, seemed kind of heavy. Like it was, um, it had a density greater than air, and so it was going down to the floors. Um, and it, and I think Rappa and Ripper were still kind of on the outskirts of of the crowd for the most part. Like okay. they hadn't made their push their way towards the center. How could they? Everybody was thronging towards the center, so that's where the density of of human beings would have been at its greatest that's that's my best explanation at why they wouldn't have had uh their quirks go haywire like uh like everybody else seems to but uh o'clock also noticed that amongst this um this gas whatever it is um he also sees some flashes of what he calls another type of gas in the mix uh, a little black cloud mm-hmm. yeah and it's like at first he's talking about how the you know the first gas is a quirk booster that makes them rampage then that second gas appears in midair and he says that black mist stuff makes contact and he says like suppresses their quirks question mark like he's trying to figure it out and i love to think too that he's doing all of this within a matter of like milliseconds because we know that his brain is is working like 10 times faster than everybody else's. So he's seeing this like in slow motion and he's realizing that it's not actually suppressing their quirks. It's like sucking their quirks away. And so my first thought here is this has got to be Kurogiri, right? Like this is, yep. seems just like his quirk and someone is reaching through his portals and siphoning off quirks as they see fit. So is it one for all? Or sorry, is it all for one? Or is it yes. someone, do you think it's one of his minions doing it? No, I think this is Kurogiri and all for one, um, sitting around monitoring this, just sucking up all the quirks because all for one can. Yeah. That's what I think. And this is like, this is them pulling in, uh, you know, a giant pool of candidates that they can monitor the audience, see if there are any quirks worth stealing, and then do just that. Um, in a and, really easy fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in this chaos, like I said, I think this move would be harder for them to get away with without raising some suspicions if if um, everything were copacetic, like even if the fights were still going on and the audience were into it. Um, but in this chaos, the, the black mist goes r- r- unnoticed by most, I would guess. Um, O'Clock obviously sees it uh, and this hand dashes in and out and robs these people of their quirks. And they actually make a move on Tiger Bunny slash Mirko, but O'Clock is faster and manages to snatch her out of the air and keep her just out of that hand's reach. Yeah, and as he is like able to get her, he jumps down onto the floor and he's doing that quick thinking where he's trying to figure out like, okay, how is the Black Mist targeting people? Is it by sight? Is it by smell? Like what's exactly happening here? And he de- he's able to determine it's just by sight and he's able to just kind of keep low and dash through. Um, and he catches back up with Rappa and uh, it's it's funny because Rappa is just like, hey, uh, why'd you run off like that? And why'd you grab the chick? And even even Mirko is like, yeah, what's the big deal here? As if they don't see all these other people literally getting gassed and losing their mind. I, I mean, to be fair, these panels could have all taken place in two seconds. We know how fast O'Clock is, but it just seemed kind of funny that they were that they weren't able to put two and two together for me. Well, he ends up deputizing them, which I love yeah. because Tomac and I were talking in the discord uh, sometime last week or definitely in between these recordings. And I said, man, I really hope that the, those, those two uh, chapters that we covered in our last episode, aren't the last that we see of Rappa. It would have been really cool for them to figure out a way to leverage him into being a pseudo good guy somehow keep him around a little while longer. And then like in this chapter, that's exactly what we get. Um, O'Clock looks at him and he says, I feel like you two are pretty much on the level. So I'm going to ask you to help me out. And when they kind of begin to raise their objections to that, he uh, produces his hero's license. He says, I'm actually the high speed hero O'Clock. And during a crisis, I can enlist aid from civilians like you two. 
Yeah, and it's funny because I think Miriko is like, wait, you're a hero? And uh, he realizes that because of the uniform she's wearing, that she is a about to be hero at going to a school in Hiroshima. And he's like, look, I'll straighten the things out with your school later. You don't have to worry about it. And she's like, oh, wait, hold up, pal. Uh, the school definitely doesn't need to know anything about what's going on here. You know, like, how can I help? What do I need to do so you don't tell the school? And poor Rappa is just like, you're a hero candidate? You know, like, I can't believe, how are all these heroes around me? And and she gets upset. She's like, you know, the old man's bad enough, but if you tell me you're also a hero, I'm going to lose my mind. And and he's like, what are you talking about? It's great. This whole bit here is is really funny exchange, I think. Yeah, he Rappa is shocked that uh, either one of them are even close to being heroes because he tends, I think he takes people as they are on the tin, like value, as they man. present them. So he doesn't think any deeper than what, what kind of combat experience can I get from them? Yeah. Um, and so these layers of revelation are like wholly new experiences to him. Like they actually are revelations in the truest sense of the word. And he's trying to process all this. Um, him and Mirko get into a discussion about, which is greater punch power or kick power. It's kind of it's kind of adorable a little bit. I liked it. I <laughs> thought it was really funny. Like I want to see them show down for sure. Yeah, kicks just settle it in the only way that both of them would actually want to settle it, oh, which yeah. is in an actual fight. Both of them would be down for that and both of them would love the crap out of that. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Uh but for like O'Clock is like, guys, come on. Our mission is to get out of here. Like we got to escape this underground parking structure and we have to make contact with the police up top. Uh he's totally ignoring them entirely and they're a little peeved about it. Uh I think Mirika was the one that's like ignoring us. Come on, classy and and Rap was like, this is important, Bub. Which I love that he keeps calling him Bub. It, it feels like a tie back to Wolverine, who I the only other character I've ever known to say that all the time. You, I think you mentioned that in the last episode. I as might well. have, yeah. But O'Clock turns around and says, "What are you too scared? Like, if this is out of your comfort zone, then stay here. I'll go and do everything I need to do." And I think this really perks them up. Like both of them at the same time are like, "I'm not scared. No way. Why? Well, how dare you even challenge that?" They buck up, so they're in for whatever it is that O'Clock is going to request of them. And all he's really wanting to do is make sure that they get out of there. He's got his evidence, and that's what he came here for. So his current mission is the same as it always has been, which is to extract himself with that evidence. That's why he has Tanama and the rest of the police force um, staged outside anyway. Um, but the last word in this uh, in these two episodes doesn't go to them. It goes to this uh, what who we believe to be all for one who recognizes that this is the high-speed hero O'Clock, the one responsible for the attack in the sick bay, I guess, he asks. Um, and he says he's certainly one that we shouldn't let slip away since his overclock is a superb quirk, to be sure. Uh, and then we have another voice chime in, indeed, shall we utilize our top resource? And we're left with uh, a panel of an ominous man in a hoodie um, who is on site, presumably, and is this resource that all for one slash Kurogiri are debating uh, letting loose, presumably to make it such that All for One could come into possession of Overclock. Do you think that uh, that's six in the hoodie? That's kind of who I assumed it is. I don't think that it's six. I think that, yeah, I don't think that it's six. I think the timeline is a little wonky that would be for it weird. to be six. Yeah, because we know he was kind of like a, an experiment and he started off with O'Clock, so it doesn't make sense that he'd be here getting O'Clock, right? Yeah. Um. And we know we've seen flashbacks of All for One actually taking that's right uh, yeah. Overclock's quirk, and it doesn't happen in this setting. So I don't think that that's what we're gonna uh, be 
party to. So whoever this person is, I'm assuming that they fail um, at whatever it is that All for One and Kurogiri en- enlist him to do in the uh, ensuing chapters. What I wouldn't be surprised to learn is that this is some sort of bioengineered person who is uh, a step or two beyond uh, you know, what it is that they're testing with this drug in these settings. So like maybe some kind of Nomu, but if that's true, then it can't just be any old dumb Nomu like we saw at the USJ. It would have to, it would have to be one of the high ends or maybe of some kind. This is three, six's predecessor. Oh, you mean like just, yeah, some other yeah. number. I like, I just love to assume that if we, we have now been exposed to a six and a nine, which means there has to be one through five and seven and eight, right? Like it does, it does follow. So maybe this is two or three. I mean, I just feel like there's got to be nine whole, like in, at the end of the anime, surely they all show up, right? They got to come back. It's like Naruto. <laughs> yeah. And then they all <laughs> assemble into one giant Nomu. Yes. That's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised to find out that this thing was a number as well, but I do think it's tied pretty closely to Nomu. Yeah. Um, but if it were, it would have to be a one of the higher end ones because yeah. they were the ones that were capable of like thought and composition. The other ones seemed to be a little bit more um, base and like animalistic. The only thing I have to sense. argue against that though is that so far all of the Nomus that have been intelligent to some extent have been huge like this just looks like a normal guy in a hoodie yeah that's true i mean he doesn't have the nomu physique so i feel like it's got to be someone like someone and you know how this podcast is and how these these chapters and how the the show is like we talk about something and then the very opening of the next thing we watch or read is the answer so i'm sure we'll get the answer to it immediately but i'm willing to bet this is someone we've met before it's gotta be yeah i yeah I don't know. We'll see. I, 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 it, re- it really could be the very next turn of the page into chapter 90. Is that what? Yeah. yeah into chapter next, 90. So. Yeah. I do think it's, I think there's going to be some bioengineering something or another in it, regardless, whoever, if it's a number or a high-end Nomu or something else. I agree. I think that that much is going to be fairly true. I totally agree. Well, how about you say we uh, pick back up in two weeks with chapters 90 and 91? I guess. I mean, we could not make it to episode 100. That is a choice on the table. I don't think so. We got to get there. Oh, You're stuck with okay. me, at least until episode okay. 100. Sorry. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but sincerely, if you're listening and you have any kind of funny ideas or fun ideas or good ideas, whatever the case might be, for what uh, you might enjoy listening to us do for episode 100, even if it was an idea that we had expressed, like Adam's trivia, uh, give us a give us a ping. Let us know. Um, we want to be we want to put some thought and effort into that and make it um you know, uh, a landmark episode for us because it will be, we want it to be so in more than number. That's, I think that's the goal. Yes, absolutely. And if you enjoyed today's episode, go check out iTunes, leave a review there or whatever podcasting app you may be in. If you can give us a a good review or just drop a comment, we would really appreciate it. It helps get the show out and we want to make more friends. Yes. Tell your friends, join us in the discord, follow us on Twitter. There's lots of conversation in all of those spaces and we enjoy all of it. And we'll see you next week for Kyo Cinema if you're checking that out and the following week for the next episode of AMP. Yep, chapters 90 and 91 or episodes of 90 and 91 of My Hero Academia Vigilantes. And if you're going to be watching along for Kyo Cinema, we are going to be covering uh, The Tree of Might next Monday. Which I think you've said is one of your favorites. So get- I thought that it was. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week to find out why. Spoilers for the next Kaio Cinema.
You there? I'm trying to, I'm there. I'm trying to think of where we want to pick up from here. Okay, uh, you could just sorry. do your. Well, how I about thought we jump right in. <laughs> sure. I thought you were going to keep going, so I was like, "What? What? Uh? No, I thought I had more, but then I didn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could be like, "Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Well, let's get into this." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>